0: Hey Emily and Chris.
1: Hey Greg. Hey
2: Greg.
0: So we are here in Bristol. It's free agent frenzy day, aka Canada Day. Happy Canada Day to all the Canadians listening to the podcast. Sorry. Sorry about all of the action. <laughs> um although I, I see uh Corey Perry was doing pretty well for himself in his backyard, FaceTiming with T S N today after signing with the uh Dallas Stars. We'll get to that later. What the show is going to be today is epic. Because it's the last show of the season, the last ESPN and Ice of the season. We have an Austin Matthews interview for you. We have an Alexander Barkoff interview for you. And we have an alphabetical recanting of the free agent frenzy in all its glory for you on this very podcast, including an actual honest-to-God offer sheet. Ah! Reap, reap sirens so exciting oh sheet <laughs> <laughs> he's back from the roxy folks <laughs> all right all that and more on this edition of espn and ice So let's start the show proper shall we from the ice to your earbuds a podcast about
1: hockey featuring things to do with hockey from your friends at espn it's espn on ice with waschinski and kaplan
0: it's ESPN and Ice, the podcast where ESPN
2: talks about hockey. I'm Greg Wachinski, senior NHL writer.
1: I'm Emily Kaplan, national NHL reporter.
2: And I'm Chris Peters, NHL draft and prospects analyst. Yeah, you're like a regular part of the show now that we keep seeing you in places. It's good to be back. Why, indeed. We were in Vancouver
0: together. There's a delightful photo of the three of us huddled around my iPhone uh, that someone took as we recorded the show <laughs> from the seats at uh, Roger's. Center Arena? I always forget. Yeah. Place?
1: When in doubt, it's Center RE, I believe.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, but here we are in Bristol. We had a long and fruitful day handing out grades on the many free agents and uh, grades on the few trades that we had. And like we said, alphabetical approach to free agency, starting with the A's, and then we'll go uh, to where you need to go. And as mm-hmm. we go along the way, we'll obviously be covering some of the the bigger trades and stuff and, and and all that stuff. But uh, overall, first impressions of Free Agent Frenzy Day, Emily Kaplan.
1: You know, I felt like this was a day that was monumental. You mentioned it, that the Canadian sports stations that cover this and do big specials are now going to have to uh, start scheduling this 12 to 24 hours in advance because it felt like all of the big action happened last night, uh, the night before. You know, the really big thing, the domino we were waiting for this morning, was there Temi Panarin? Even though we knew it was probably down to three teams, there were some surprises throughout the day. But my big takeaway is that so much of this happened early, and I think that's because so many people cleared cap space early, and a lot of teams were prepared. Chris, what's your big takeaway?
2: Well, I, I think it's just Timmy uh, mean, Panarin, obviously going to to the Rangers, and what that does for a rebuilding team. It's not a rebuild anymore. It's right. it's it's a it's a com- competition now. This is a team that's going for it. Um, and there's no bigger statement you can make than adding the best free agent uh, to a group that has the young, the young talent, drafting Caco, I mean, you look at what the Rangers did, and, and they made a, a huge statement. They promised their fans that they would be back, and they're back, I think, even quicker than most would have uh, thought they could be. Indeed, that's true. More on the Rangers in a
0: bit. Um, I agree with you, Emily. Uh, I, listen, anything that we can do to get closer to the volume and renown of the NBA during their free agent period— is only a good thing, and uh, yeah, it does suck that our friends at TSN are gonna have to start working on ju- on June thirtieth uh, and do and start and start their broadcast then. Because liter- literally, like half the deals that came down for the for the prominent free agents on July first were ones that were settled on July thirtieth, which is weird because I mean, technically that'd be tampering, um, but you know, it's not tampering. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, let's start with Anaheim. They did nothing. Um, they they said goodbye to Corey Perry through a buyout. And they signed Andy uh, Walensky on July 1st. So kudos to the Ducks.
1: Yeah, if they did nothing. They've got a new coach. He's going to have to get along with the GM. Uh, I believe they're just entering a rebuild and probably should not be competitive next season.
0: Oh, I don't know. Uh, I believe it was Craig Button on TSN said he expects the Ducks to be maybe a playoff team this year.
1: With all due respect to Craig Button, let's move on to the Arizona Coyotes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh
1: yeah, so the the Arizona Coyotes
0: had themselves a, an interesting day, uh, free Asian deadline-type dealy, not through anybody they signed, although it's good to see Bo Bennett get work, um, but obviously making the Phil Kessel trade in which they swapped Alex Golchenyuk to the Pittsburgh Penguins in a package that bought Phil the Thrill uh, to Arizona. The, the big story here, obviously, on the Kessel side of things is twofold. One, the fact that his uh, trade protection... Basically made it so the Penguins could only trade him to Arizona. Like, allegedly, in his uh, no-trade uh, team list, it was a bunch of teams, the quote, the Penguins would never do business with. So, obviously, one of them is probably the Flyers. Uh, and then the Arizona Coyotes, $6.8 million against the cap. John it told me no salary retention there. It's through 2022. Uh, reunites Phil Kessel with, uh, with uh, Rick Tockett, uh, the Phil Whisperer, when he was an assistant coach with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I I, I mean, listen, from a Coyotes' perspective, uh, finite number of goal scorers that they could have uh, brought in to have the kind of impact that Kessel probably should have. This was a a goal-deficient team. It was a team that needed finishers based on how poor their shooting percentage was last year, and Phil Kessel goes a long way to solving that conundrum.
1: Can I tell you the big story with this team to me? Yeah. All of a sudden, we close our eyes and we open them, and the Arizona Coyotes have a projected cap hit of seventy nine point eight million dollars, making them one of the highest spending teams in the league. Just think about that. Right. I mean, part of that is they did gave a extension to Nick Schmalt. He's gonna make uh close to six million dollars a year. Uh I think that was a good move, even though he got injured after coming up for the Blackhawks. Obviously Phil Kessel carries a big cap hit. But this is huge. This is a team that has missed out on the playoffs last year. They felt like they made that late great push and they should have been there. And all of a sudden, they're like, "We're going to spend," and I wonder how much of this is from the new owner who hasn't quite taken over yet. Mm-hmm. But maybe this is the new trend there.
0: Yeah, Alex Morello is going to be the new owner of the Coyotes, and and all of a sudden, they're spending money left and right. And you got to spend t- t- to score. And and I think in Castle's case, uh, you know, a smart acquisition of 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 cap uh you know commitment there. I'm not the biggest Alex Golchenyuk fan. Maybe you disagree with that, Peters, but uh, <laughs> he goes over to the Penguins and. Uh, I you know you basically turn Max Domi into Phil Kessel if you want to look at it that way.
2: Yeah, and I think that is a good way to look at it and I, and I think the Phil Kessel signing helps a variety of players. It helps Nick Schmaltz, it helps Clayton Keller guys that you could potentially pair him up with. Um Keller in particular needs to have a bounce back year. They they were so high on him after his rookie season and now you've got a playmaker that has somebody to make plays to mm-hmm. and, and that's important. So, uh we'll see how much uh they they end up playing together if if at all, but I just think that this is a team that is finally making that statement, not only to, you know, to the players on that team, but to their fan base and saying, you know, we're, we're, we're making that effort. We're going to go for, uh, go for it here. And I mean, I'm really excited to see what they look like. I was excited to see kind of how they looked last season. This year, they could add maybe Barrett Hayton, one of their top prospects mm-hmm. as well. So they're going to have a different look and, and potentially be much more offensively talented as, as a group.
0: Yeah. they arguably one of the most talented offensive players they've had on that roster. Jeez, we have to go back to what, when Brett Hall was there for a minute? <laughs> yeah, R- Ronick. Yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah.
2: It, it feels like that. Yeah. Uh,
0: the Boston Bruins defending Eastern Conference champions, uh, they add pieces. Your, uh, your Brett Richie's, your Par Lindholm's, they re sign Connor Clifton, they bid Ed to, uh, Noah Chari and to Marcus Johansson, amongst others. Uh, tweaks for a team that probably, Needed some tweaks, but, you know, might take some bigger swings maybe later in the summer when we see how certain cap situations play out with other teams.
1: Yeah, I, I think an underrated signing for them was Stephen camper He's a good, mm-hmm. depth defenseman and gives them flexibility if they need him. Uh, you know, I think he would have had other suited out there. Nolichari was interesting. He almost doubled his salary when he went to the Florida Panthers, and he felt— he kept talking about how wanted he felt there, and he's such an important fourth-line player. I do think that's going to be a loss, but as you alluded to, Greg, uh, you know— we have a GM who's just been lauded last year for all the moves that he made. And I think they're well positioned from what the group they had last year that made to the Stanley cup final to repeat that. And they're also the team that tends to make some movement around the trade deadline.
2: Yeah. And they've got some big RFAs to get done this summer yes. and, and Charlie McAvoy being the most important of them, but also, I mean, Brandon Carlo who played a huge role.
1: I'd argue uh, those are just as important.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, those two guys, that's, that's the, the future of your blue line. It's the president of your blue line. They're, they're arguably your two best defensemen right now. I mean, you know, throw Tory Krug in there as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that what what they did, they they left themselves enough space. They made some depth signings. I, I really like the Connor Clifton deal too. Just a million bucks over three years for a guy that you know I really was a was a, a cheap ad mm-hmm. when they initially got him as a minor league contract. So that's really paid off for them um, and will continue to and. Yeah, but I mean that Charlie McAvoy negotiation I think is going to be really interesting um, and how that plays off of the Brandon Carlo signing as well when those two deals get made. Uh, It's going to be fascinating to follow how Don Sweeney uh, fits everybody into the space that they have. They certainly have the space to make something work, uh, but we'll have to see if there's any other movement that might be required to uh, make it a little more comfortable.
0: Obviously, the biggest thing about Connor Clifton was that his grandmother lived two houses down from me in New Jersey. Very very important fact. Uh, and the, the McAvoy deal will be interesting to see if they go with something that resembles an Aaron Eckblad deal or if it's more of a bridge deal. Um, but, uh, in Sweeney, we trust. Uh, I, I think. <laughs> Suddenly, it, yes. yeah. I mean, yeah. You didn't, you didn't always say that about Don Sweeney, <laughs> but I think you have to go with what he's done with that team. It's been pretty impressive. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres, they go the trade route more than anything, acquiring Colin Miller from the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, he signed for 2022 at $3.875 million, a salary dump by the Knights, but, uh, a decent addition on the right side for them, uh, that could eventually lead to maybe some other moves on what is all of a sudden a crowded blue line. Uh, and then of course the Jimmy VC trade. Everything comes full circle, Chris, as Jimmy <laughs> VC goes from the Rangers to the Buffalo Sabres one year away from unrestricted free agency.
2: Yeah. The guy that cost the Sabres two third round picks, three years apart. And I, you know what? Actually, this time around, it's, it's an actual player. It's somebody that's, you're not just paying a third round pick to talk to him they need scoring help. Jimmy VC can score. Uh you know, I don't think that he's lived up to the billing that he had when he was uh, you know, a college free agent that that decided not to sign with Nashville that Buffalo desperately wanted. They thought the Jack Eichel connection was going to work then. Um so there's there's a relationship there with Jack Eichel. Uh so that that helps as well, but yeah, Jimmy VC, you know, it's it's a bit signing for them. It's a guy that they don't necessarily have to hold on to beyond next season, so there's not a huge commitment there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this deal works for them. It, it didn't cost too much, and this is a team that needs to find offense any way they can to get out of this hole that they've uh, been in for a really long time now.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see this free agency period by them, and I consider one year ago, Jason Barrell took the swing of all swings, and he made the Ryan O'Reilly trade, and the optics of it are not great now. No. You lose Ryan O'Reilly, he becomes a huge, important part of the Stanley Cup winning tim- team, wins the Smythe. Smythe. And you just do not need, uh, you do not get enough pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, to compensate for it. So I think that he had to be a little bit more conservative this time. I, I think this is a a GM who's not necessarily feeling a warm seat, but knows that his ownership needs to win. And you get a new coach in here, you only get so many chances to hire new coaches. He probably wants to take stock of the roster that he has. I like the VC trade a lot. I think, you know, like you mentioned, he's a guy who knows Jack Eichel, uh, might be able to play with Jack Eichel. And look, he only gave up a third round pick in 2021. As I mentioned, maybe Botterill's not even around by then. Um, <laughs> yeah. If he doesn't do great, you get a part with him if he does do great and he's comfortable. You get the first licks at re-signing him. So I like that move a lot.
0: And I think based on what happened on July first, the nine million dollars per season for Jeff Skinner looks a little bit more reasonable than it did about a month ago. Uh, if he plays the potential, which of course is the real question. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna group up the Alberta teams because they are <laughs> they are linked in some way here. Mm-hmm. So the uh, Calgary Flames had a goalie by the name of Mike Smith. Uh, he is no longer their goalie. He left via free agency. For one year and $2 million to the Edmonton Oilers. Hopping down inside the same province. I don't really like Mike Smith. Uh, I don't <laughs> think he really helps the goaltending situation with Edmonton all that much. But then uh, the Leaves of Flames need a goaltender. So what do they do? They go and sign Cam Talbot. Who of course was the Edmonton goaltender last year before they traded him to Philadelphia. One year, $2.75 million dollars. I don't really like Cam Talbot that much. I don't really think he helps the Flames. What a incestuous little situation there in
2: Alberta when it comes to their goaltenders. Yeah, a little bit. You know, but I, I, do think that neither team is, is solid in the goalies that they had. Miko Koskinen in, uh, in Edmonton, David Riddick in mm-hmm. Calgary. So there's a lot of questions left to be answered there. I do like Cam Talbot more than I like Mike Smith in this situation. Fewer miles on him. Had an awful year last year. He's going to have a real defense in front of him this year. I think that that's, you know, he, he played in that's Edmonton true. and, and, and Philly. He's going to have a, a better team in front of him. I like his opportunity to, to have a better season there. Uh, but yeah, Mike Smith, you know, aside from the comfort level that comes with having Dave Tippett there, um, who I, I believe Ken Holland couldn't really remember what, how they knew each other <laughs> during his press conference, uh, today, but, but you know, like the, Maybe there's that at least an in insurance policy. experienced goaltender. It's there weren't a lot of great options available to Edmonton. Do you want to get, commit long term to a guy when you've already got those those contract years? That nice little gift from Peter Chiarelli that is Miko Koskinen's contract. Oh God. Um, it, you know, you, you don't want to spend too much on that position. So in that regard, I think that the 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 Cam Talbot move, I I totally understand. It's it's a short term thing. Maybe it's. A, I I feel like that's a lower risk higher reward proposition than than Mike Smith at 37 years old uh playing alongside Miko Koskinen who 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 really knows what what he is at this point.
0: The Oilers also bring back Alex Chason on a 2-year deal and uh, they sign Marcus Granlund who as we were watching Ken Holland's press conference 60% sure he um,
2: I think he thought he signed Michael Granlund. <laughs> he might <laughs> he might have he's <laughs> counting on double digit goals next year. So I mean yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> all right, Emily, now we get to the one we've all been waiting for, which is the Carolina Hurricanes, because we could talk about the epic offer sheet tendered by the Montreal Canadiens, a uh, landmark move in the NHL. We haven't seen one of these bad boys since the 2013 season when it was Ryan O'Reilly signing an offer sheet from the uh, uh, Calgary Flames. Um, five-year deal, average annual value of $8.454 million. Sebastian Ajo, the brilliant 21-year-old center, uh, restricted free agent for the Carolina Hurricanes. So obviously the thing to talk about here is the way that this offer sheet was structured. Five years brings him right up to unrestricted free agency. And the bonus schedule of this contract pays him $21 million within the first year of the deal. Is this going to be enough to pry away Sebastian Ajo, or will people have heard the Hurricanes have matched the offer by the time they get done with this podcast?
1: Yeah, you could sense the frustration in GM Don Waddell when he addressed the media really not long after this happened. I give him credit for doing it right away. Uh, he said he got the email at 2.40 p.m. and he was just pissed off. Uh, you know, he said it. Look, this I expected it to be a lot more if we were going to get it. I, I was shocked that it was this low. But you see that $9.8 million next summer, $11.3 million this summer. It's not up to Don Waddell. It's really up to his owner. time. Tom Dundon, we've talked about it. I think Tom Dundon has a lot of money. He has the money. Yeah. Just, is he willing to spend it on this team? Is he frugal? Uh, Tom Dundon said on this very podcast, he's going to match any offer sheet for him pretty much. Uh, they want to keep Sebastian Aho around. Uh, it's just not ideal circumstances. And, you know, you look at this team – they made so many strides last year. They're very close to returning a very similar roster. They're going to lose Michael Furland, who kind of became a non-factor at the end, especially in the playoffs. Uh They're probably – I believe they've re-signed Peter Mrazek at the time that we've recorded this. Um The the big question really for me now is Justin Williams, who is an unrestricted free agent. He's weighing his options. Does he go with another team short-term? Does he go here short-term? Does he retire? Uh That – to me, is also going to dictate uh, how well the Carolina Hurricanes perform next season.
2: For me, the whole idea of the structure—I mean, I love Mark Bergevin has the cushion. They have the prospects, they have the picks, they have—you know—it makes all the sense in the world. The, now, the question is, how do they manage to uh, uh, how, how do the how do the Hurricanes manage to convince Tom Dunham that twenty-one plus million over a twelve-month span is a good investment? And I think everyone in that front office. Should be giving every PowerPoint and every other thing that you could give to Tom Dundon to say we we have to do it yeah I, I don't think they have a choice. I don't think they have a choice based on what they did last season, based on what they've been building, based on the what what Tom Dundon has said. it is a it is a large pill. It's a large pill, no question, but they do not have a choice. they have they, to make they get don't. it done.
0: you're going to spend the next five years searching for Sebastian Ajo again absolutely like they, they have him now, they have the guy. And and to let him go would be insane. Every indication Waddell gave in his press conference is that they're going to keep him. I mean, to the point where he's, like, trying to figure out if it'd be better to, you know, mess around with Montreal and wait the whole seven days so they can't sign anybody else to an offer sheet or just get it over with quickly. I think they're going to match. And I think Montreal fans, it's funny. The minute you saw this from van you're like, yeah, go get him, biceps. Yeah. It was great to finally get an offer sheet.
1: But then the more you look at it, you're like... Why the hell didn't you make it for more money?
2: Exactly. Especially
1: because they cleared so much cap space. Yeah. The, everyone knew Mark Bergerman was up to something when Andrew Shaw wasn't available. Then all of a sudden they send Andrew Shaw over to the Chicago Black Ops. They get right. rid of other contracts on their roster. They had the cap space to do it. I do love, though, to end on this note, what Mark Bergevin said. And he said, everyone's like, are you p- are scared of pissing off the other GMs? Because that's why we haven't seen more offer sheets because it's an old boys club. And he said, my obligations are to Molson family, the ownership, and to the fans. And that is all. And my biceps,
0: and him, his biceps. I, I just, I think and that his fashion. If you, if you mm-hmm. want, if you best like,
1: GM dressing. Oh. league besides Stan Bowman, I'd say those are one. Oh, I best. think
0: Bush Stan Bowman's better. Yeah, they're better dresses. They're Stan both Bowman. pretty Stan good. Bowman's
1: underrated though. Very. I see him a lot. He he's always got a look.
0: Maybe it's that French appeal that Bergevin has. Yeah, well,
1: that's why we don't think of Stan Bowman as a good dresser because he's not French, right? Because
0: mm-hmm. he doesn't get to say "ha ha ha," I'm dressed in a clown suit. Versanty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I I I, th- I think if you like Sebastian Ajo at, at this at this compensation, you should like him for the extra one as well. Absolutely. I mean, I I, I it, they. It's a weird flex to not have gone to that next level of salary where you might really put some pressure on. I don't think this puts a lot of pressure on. I think this is a, a hope and a dream that five years up the UFA pisses them off and that Dundon doesn't want to pay the money because apparently uh news of a folding football league reached Montreal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't think you could match it. Um Chicago, Robin Laner, one year, $5 million. This happened right before we got on the podcast. A big surprise there. John Shannon saying that Laner actually turned down a uh, a deal that would have paid him two years at five million per with the Islanders. We'll get to the Islanders later, but I gotta believe this might be a little bit of a you know affront to Laner in the sense that they waited around too long, flirted with others, he's sitting there with mm-hmm. twiddling his thumbs. But in Chicago's case, Emily, what do you think is behind this move?
1: I think that they saw last year's Stanley Cup final and they realized that load management is the key to the future when it comes to goalies. And I don't think this has anything to do with with their distrust in Crawford right now or Corey Crawford. Uh, I don't think it, they think he's regressing. I don't know if they're worried about this health. I think they think the best way to succeed will to be through more of a platoon situation. And also Crawford's contract comes up soon. You've got a guy in the building. If it works out with him, maybe you find your goaltender of the future. He's only 27 years old yeah. and he's turned it around. I love the other moves that Stan Bowman made, really. Um, you know, he got Ryan Carpenter as a, a fourth liner. That was fine. You know, it probably can help them down the gut three years, one million, not much money. But the way he rehabbed that blue line in the last couple weeks, uh, getting, um, who did they get? They you got, know,
2: Olimata, Olimata you got. Olimata. Olimata. Calvin Dahan. Yeah.
1: It feels like forever ago now it because does. so much has happened. But, you know, he made those frugal moves uh, and, and didn't have to pay a lot for them.
0: And Slater Cuckoo.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think this is interesting in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, the, it's, it's a lot of money to spend on the position. I mean, you know, $11 million if you're combining the cap hits of Corey Crawford and Robin Lehner, but I, I agree to, to some extent with about the load management. And also it does give you the safety net too. If Crawford gets injured again, we don't know kind of what his status is going to be. Mm-hmm. Colin Delia has been kind of the backup. I don't know if that's necessarily the guy that you want to pin your, your, your hopes on this season if everything falls apart. So I think that this is a more more insurance being bought for the work that was done on the blue line. For Stan Bowman to say, we believe that we can contend right now. We'll have we the defense was a problem last year. Goaltending was a problem at times last year. We feel that we've addressed that and, and we feel like we have the horses up front. Maybe Kirby Doc can play right away for them, their most recent draft pick. So this is a this is a roster that they should feel. Is a playoff contender at this point, point. and let's
0: be honest—you know—they they made the Andrew Shaw trade with Montreal, and everybody sneered at it, right? And the
1: band back together, and then
0: you know, three years at three point nine per, based on what we saw on July first, that'd be a hell of a signing, yeah. If it, would. if it had been a signing instead of a trade, that's so a good point. Kudos to to stand for a pretty strong uh, July first. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Speaking of strong. Pierre Edward Bellmare, two years, oh, 3.6 we, j'adore,
1: j'adore. total.
0: I mean, Colin Wilson's back. Jonas Donskoy comes aboard. At one of my favorite signings, four years, 3.9. 3.99 per, a little bit too much, I think, for Donskoy, but four years and a player that's got some real upside, in my opinion. And then the Andre Barakowski trade, uh, again, a guy who needs to kind of find his game a little bit again after leaving uh, Washington. He'll He's an RFA. They'll get him signed. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche to me had one mission this uh, postseason, uh, this offseason rather, which was fill out that forward group, make them a more dangerous team below the top line. I mean, the other mission obviously is getting Miko Rantanen signed. They'll do that. That'll be no uh, problem. I, I think I think Joe Sakic did really well for himself on July first. What hey. say you, Emily?
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think the depth forwards are their biggest issues and that's what they've shored up. Uh, they drafted really well. You got a new hook in the first round. You've got the best defenseman in Byron in the first round. Of course, you get Kale McCarr in his first season and you really couldn't spend that much money this July 1st because you've got the Mika Rontanen deal. You got to worry about. Landis God gets up in two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you then get uh, Tyson Barry up in a year. You got to worry about him. Um, eventually, you might have to rework that Nathan McKinnon contract <laughs> yeah, when you figure yeah. out he's making $6.3 million. And that's just <laughs> not cool in today's economy, in this economy, in this
0: economy, in this economy. Yeah. But, uh, but, like, yeah,
1: but you, you just can't spend that much money. You have to be frugal and work on the future. And
0: if the devil showed anything this summer, it's that keep your cap space open
2: because you never know what's know going to come your way. I think Colorado's kind of in that position. Yeah. And you know what was interesting to me is that Joe Sackackick had readily admitted that they were in the Artemi Panarin sweeps. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and this is so, so. this is not a bad consolation prize. Okay. So you didn't get Panarin, but you now have a lot of flexibility. You have better depth. You have these young guys coming up. This is a team that's pretty well set up for the future. I think that Joe Sackackack has really rewritten. His reputation as a general manager over these last two seasons or so yeah, is kind of like a quiet assassin. Patience over, you know, just going after whatever is out there. He's made moves that have helped this team improve gradually and hasn't gone. You know, the Panarin would have been an overextension potentially, mm-hmm. but they knew where their number was. They didn't go over it. They didn't even come close to it, I don't think. And now they still have. They're, they're in a very good position with a team that they can continue to build around and as we've all mentioned the Miko Rantanen situation uh you have a little bit more money to play with now it turns out he wasn't just hired to sell season tickets as gm he's
0: pretty good at it uh the Columbus Blue Jackets took it on a chin uh Matt Duchene gone Ryan Zingle despite being from the ohio state university gone uh and then of course Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky all gone uh they save face a little bit with a four year deal worth 5.5 million against the cap for Gustav Nyquist who i think is a a good signing and a, and a number that is right around where he should come in at. They didn't overcompensate mm-hmm. necessarily. Uh and then they get Ryan Murray re resigned, but you know it's just, they listen, I'm not gonna give him grief. I'm the, I'm the i was leading the parade. I was I was holding the torch, leading the mob uh towards the promised land on uh shoot your shot,
2: go for it all in, you armor But it, it it
0: kinda hurts right now, doesn't it?
2: I think it has to hurt a little bit, but I uh, some of the consolation prizes here, they signed email Bemstrom they had Alexander Texier last year. These are young guys that they think can be on their team next year. They're going to help. Uh, they have to get the Zach contract done. They've got a lot of – of that's their most important thing to do right now. That's got to be the priority. It definitely hurts. I think you you see all those guys out the door. There's no question it should hurt. However, they have a good core of defensemen. They've got some options in net. We'll see if, you know, who knows if Corpus Allo can ever kind of figure it out. Yeah. And, and they, they at least got themselves. And uh, they have a goalie uh, named Elvis. Elvis Mersdeacons, who I, I adore. Uh, very good prospects. So this is going to be, you know, they went for it. It didn't work out, but it didn't cost them all of their good prospects. Mm-hmm. It did cost them some draft picks. They did not have a fun draft this year. Uh, but aside from that, I think that they're still, you know, are they they're not as competitive as they were before, but they have their core with guys like Cam Atkinson, Seth Jones, obviously being a, a Norris contender on on an annual basis. There are things there that they can continue to build around that, you know, would it be nice to have Artemi Panarin? Sure. But they still they're not dead yet. It just occurred to me how painful it's going to be when Elvis gets pulled from games and how
0: many Elvis has left the building.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, there's I'm jokes. just going to pivot from that one. Oh, look, there's not much more for me to say about this team. I do like the Gustav Nyquist signing, though. I think yeah. that's a decent price for a top yes. six forward. And I also wonder if he's the guy that they might try to put next to Alexander Wenberg to try to get him going because that's the guy they've been trying to get going for some time. Ugh, but might, let's move
0: on. That might not be able to – we might not be able to start that mower. That's
1: unsalvageable. No. But do you know what is salvageable? What? The Dallas Stars <laughs> <laughs> playoff mm. hopes. Holy cow! Sexiest off season for Jim Nill in the history of sexy off seasons. And he's he had everyone. a few.
2: He's had a few. Got you
1: know what's so funny about this is that after the last couple of years where he went swinging for the big names, he was trying to be in on guys like Eric Carlson. He was in on John Tavares. He yeah, was trying to get these guys saying, "Look, it's a great place to play. The tax situation's awesome. We've got cool guys." They didn't get any of them, and now they seem to get all these old veterans, and they're going to be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, this could be the greatest summer of 2016 ever, or it could be a really good summer of 2019. Pavelski, three years, $7 million per. I love this signing to the ends of the earth. He does everything that you need for him to do on this team. He's going to anchor another scoring line behind the top line. He's a net front presence that they, that they, they lack. Uh, he's a guy who leads by example. He's a playoff performer. He's also made of animantium, apparently. So I don't buy the fact that even though he's going to be 35 years old, that this is going to be a bad contract by the end of it. Um, I, I love the signing. And then the other two, Andre Sakara bought out by Edmonton, Corey Perry bought out by the Ducks. Uh, you know, 1.5 for Perry, 1.5 for Sakara, one year term. You're just hoping for something there. And if you get it out of Perry, if all of a sudden he becomes at least a third of what Corey Perry used to be, you're in good shape.
2: Really good shape. And I, you know, I look at kind of when the Blackhawks won the, the cup in 15 with Brad Richards, getting him off of that buyout and having, having a nice cheap, uh, cheap option, uh, on your team. That's, I think that's kind of the situation, the model that you can follow with Corey Perry. You know, we don't know how, how much the injuries are going to impact him in terms of his ability to play at pace, but I do know that around the net, his hands are still pretty quick. Mm -hmm. He can finish. He's another guy that I think fits into that mold. And then again, this is another team that's going to really have to look at their blue line. And I, I, I'm curious, you know, we, we're going to see kind of how things work out. They, they paid a pretty big ticket for Essa Lindell. Obviously, they're going to be riding Miro Heisken in even more next season. Um, you know, Ben Bishop is back there. All the pieces are in place for them to be one of the top teams in the Central Division. It's going to be a, a, another year where it's really difficult. But again, you know, Jim Nill is <laughs> – he gets a lot of credit in the summer. And then it doesn't – you know, we have to wait and see – each time because they haven't always panned out but this is a, another strong showing from him in the off season give something people for people to be excited about. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's there's more teeth to this now. I think Joe Pavelski in particular is is going to be you know, a potential game-changing player for this team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Oilers did, I'm sorry, the Edmonton, uh, sorry, the Detroit Red Wings, there it is, that uh, team. did nothing. Uh,
0: they signed Voltairi Fupola who said he's friends with Steve That's so all I really don't need to know there. <laughs> uh, the Edmonton Oilers did nothing, really, like we talked about before. Um, They're
1: yes. a team though that I would not be shocked if you see Patrick Maroon return to. Big yeah. rig. Maybe recapture that magic with Connor McDavid. He had in that one playoff run.
0: Absolutely. As it's as he's, I guess, not going to be in St. Louis anymore. Um, and now we'll take a break from this rundown and talk to a superstar, Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We talked about a lot of things from fashion sense to Mitch Marner to his adoptive dad, Patrick Marlowe, leaving Toronto. And I hope you enjoy this one. It's a good long conversation with the EA Sports Coverboy, do check out EA Sports NHL 20 with Austin Matthews, American hero, stuck in Canada on the cover. Here's Austin. Austin Matthews, uh, first of all, EA Sports NHL Coverboy, where does this rank and career achievements unlock? Is this something that you've thought about since you were a young lad?
3: Uh, I mean, it definitely, uh, go, gets up there. Ranks up there pretty high. I haven't accomplished much, so. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Um, I mean, I grew up playing the game uh, every Christmas, kind of looked forward. I knew I was getting the new one, so I was always looking forward to that. And um, so to be on the cover of it, it's it's pretty special to me.
0: What was your platform as a kid? What would you play? What
3: system? I played uh, Xbox for the most part. Mm-hmm. It's, I actually had yeah, the whole, whole time, but my first game was on the PlayStation Portable uh, NHL 6. I think Opechkin was on the cover of it. Nice. Um, and that was kind of the, the first... Uh, kind of kickstart and then went off from there. Were you just strictly sports games or did you play other stuff? Uh, pretty much just sports games. Um, NHL, I liked uh, like Madden and stuff like that, but NHL was kind of uh, going up as my, my number one game. Cool.
0: Um, do you still play today? Are you are you a are you like a phantom player in
3: like online leagues and people don't know they're playing against yeah. Austin Matthews? <laughs> I wish, I'm not good enough but um, <laughs> I, I do play, yeah, I go like through these weird stretches where I'll like Play lots of video games and then i'll like won't turn on my xbox for like six months Yeah, that's kind of like what i'm doing right now but (laughs) uh, i played pk uh, a little bit yesterday when we were doing some stuff and i kicked his ass so (laughs) i know i still got it have you been able to avoid the uh the fortnite craze the fortnite curse craze oh craze yeah uh a little bit like i've played it I went to, like I said, I went to stretches where I played video games like quite a bit and Fortnite was one of them, but um, I don't think it ever got to the point where I was like playing all night right and like not sleeping. Like it wasn't like affecting like my everyday life, but uh, I definitely would, you know, play three hours a day, four hours a day, get home from practice and, and log on and play with mm-hmm. all, the, all the boys. but. Um, I don't think it was anything uh, too crazy No,
0: you're not from Finland No,
3: exactly Uh, (laughs) I wanted to bug you about fashion
0: Because in the last year you have done GQ You did another magazine too, right? Right Um, Everything you did immediately went viral Because people were going crazy about it And I found, I was reading a bit about your your, First of all, how did you get into fashion? Like
3: at what age were you like I'm going to dress better than my peers? (laughs) Um. (laughs) I've always kind of been into it, but like until like I actually like had money, right? Like I didn't really like. So I think kind of like Switzerland was nice, just because it's different over there, and um, and that's probably kind of like how it started. And then Hmm. it was probably brutal. Like I can't imagine. I don't even remember what I was wearing when I was in Switzerland, but um, eighteen-year-old kid finally like getting a paycheck, and then like, all right, I'm gonna buy some crazy shit because you're in Europe, and that's what crazy shit is. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, all right, let's see how it goes, and then. Um, I don't know, that's kinda how it's like where it started, how it started and then mm-hmm. just kind of went from there. I found it because I
0: read that you like that was it a Rolex that I guess it was that you bought? Yeah. Like the first time you had a contract. that's like reminds me of back in the day, like my dad's generation would buy like a Cadillac when they first got their first paycheck. <laughs> but
3: like for you it's like buy the Rolex was the was the play. Why? I I mean it wasn't uh that was probably like the first <laughs> thing, like getting to the NHL that uh that like I guess I bought and I don't know, I think uh I didn't like have a watch and I was just, <laughs> I like jewelry, like I like bracelets and stuff mm-hmm. like that and um so I just I wanted to watch and went to uh went to some guys on the team who knew people and I ended up getting uh getting a watch and uh you know, I loved it. Did you poke around at the reaction to some of the uh the spreads you've done, in particular the red coat? Yeah. <laughs> uh I mean everybody's gonna have an opinion. I mean, jeez, I mean I don't Really care like I'll peek around sometimes, and I mean, I don't think I'm really gonna give any some person behind their phone the the power to make me you know feel a certain way. Right. So it's it's fine, and I know it's uh, you know not everybody's gonna love it, love you. So I think that's just something you you accept and you move on. But you seem to get it, and maybe it's
0: because you're American. I don't know that the notion of like there's such a template for what NHL players wear to the rink, right? Then you look at the NBA, which is clearly leaps and bounds ahead of us as far as personality and marketing themselves and what they wear to the game and then in the post-game becomes
3: its own story. Mm -hmm. And you seem to kind of get that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, they've kind of turned it into like a a business platform essentially. It's like... You know they're profiting off of wearing whatever they're wearing and it's obviously like a big runway for them and mm-hmm. uh I think it kind of like helps out everybody at the NBA the players the marketability of of each individual and um I guess it's kind of everybody's kind of profiting and benefiting off of that so um I mean like you said it's NHL is kind of a bit behind that but I think it's kind of getting to the point especially you got younger guys that come in and um, you know they're not just wearing a traditional you know black suit to the game it's you know different stuff hats and uh and whatever and it's kind of not getting to that level but it's kind of growing more and more and um, kind of taking off i guess we were talking a little bit before
0: about the apple commercials that you and Mitch did and you know the the fact is, is that i think this generation of players not only because the game's opened up and you can be a little bit more expressive with how you play um but it seems this generation's a little bit more Assertive in trying to get their brand out there and get their personalities out there, which I, I mean, as a guy who's been writing hockey for a long time, I've been waiting forever for that yeah. for that to happen.
3: And I think uh, like fans too, like they they want to see that. And that's why every time you see, I mean, for myself when I was younger, like when those HBO twenty four seven shows came out, when mm. it was like Pittsburgh and like New York and all those teams it was like it was awesome like you couldn't get enough of it i'd sit on youtube and watch those like over and over and i think that's that's what fans really like and um you know i think that's what is kind of happening more and more is kind of getting into that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. kind of giving fans um you know a little bit of a behind the scenes kind of access and and to what our everyday lives are because it's not just hockey right we do other stuff we enjoy um you know i have other hobbies enjoy different things and you kind of get um, you know, a sense of that, and you learn more about somebody. And I mean, fans—they they love that stuff. And as a fan growing up, I loved it too. Yeah,
0: that was the first, 24/7 Pittsburgh and Washington was the first time I realized Sid wasn't a robot. Yeah, like seeing him in the hotel room, just like seeing him as one of the boys <coughs> was something that I think none of us really got to see before. Mm-hmm. Just because he's like here, and mm-hmm. the rest of them are kind of here. Um, so you're right, man. That 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 was sort of an eye-opening thing, and it's 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 good to see. And at the end of the day, man, like the the, the, the ad that you did it resonated in a way that few others do i mean you could do you know reebok ads where you skid up to the camera and be like i'm wearing Reebok," or whatever mm-hmm. uh <laughs> not to oh, as, he, yeah. as he points to his guy uh but it's like but like that commercial felt so organic and even if some of the stuff was
3: a little bit staged as far as like location and stuff it just felt real mm-hmm. yeah i mean and it, it was for the most part i mean um you know a couple takes i'm i'm taping, so obviously I had no idea what I was doing so I had to do a <laughs> couple different a uh, couple different takes and everything but how did you get to be the uh, cinematographer I mean who, who how did you divvy up the roles I don't know I, just, <laughs> I showed up and they're like all right like take this and got a little tool and you're gonna follow Mitch around all day so I was like all right this should be easy enough and uh it wasn't it was uh it was a pretty tough task but I mean all in all it was, uh, it was a lot of fun
0: cool on the uh hockey front well first of all um how many times you've been to the awards now uh, this is my second time. Second time
3: was the first time. Uh, I'm gonna guess no because of where you grew up. Was the first time the first time you were ever in Vegas? No, I played a lot of hockey tournaments here actually, so mm-hmm. I, I spent a lot of time here growing up. But did you ever get to go to Vegas? No. You- <laughs> uh, yeah, well, not when you're 13, right? Uh, yeah. Parents. Now you get that Rolex money. Yeah, so for some reason, the parents <laughs> loved coming here, but um, they all showed up to their rink in sunglasses the next day. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I haven't. uh I mean growing up I played a bunch of tournaments here but Mm -hmm. never really got to experience it obviously I was like 12
0: the awards seem like a real chill time as far as like connecting with maybe guys that you don't get to see a lot and that kind of thing I was talking to some of the players the availability yesterday and it just seems like it's an event that you're kind of okay with one because it's in Vegas but two because you get to kind of see people away from the rink a little bit Mm -hmm.
3: yeah um, I mean it's nice it's easy for me it's an hour flight so it's close and, um, and you know you run into guys everybody's pretty much staying in the same hotel and you know guys are around and uh going to different events and you know dinners and you know nightlife because you know kind of stuff like that so uh you run into guys and it's it's always nice uh you know whether you know them or not just to kind of bounce around and, and just say hi and just chat for a bit
0: yeah it's weird it's weird seeing you guys in the wild like i saw giordano before pushing his kid in the stroller yeah and like i was five 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 hours where he's gonna probably win the norris yeah, exactly <laughs> uh yeah, that's, that's funny it's pretty good um all right leaf stuff how how many days did
3: it take for you to decompress after a series like that? <clears throat> um, it takes a while, I think, once uh like once the kind of finals is over and it kinda of winds down, like I guess now it's you kinda of get your mind off of uh of the season itself and start kind of focusing on, on the next season and um so it definitely uh leaves a bit of a sour taste in your mouth, especially um when you play a team and, you know, game seven you're 60 minutes away you know maybe moving on in the next round and then you see the team that obviously moved on go to the cup final yeah. I and mean, it's almost like a, a, a what could have been kind of thing so uh it's definitely uh at least a sour taste in your mouth but um you know i think it use it as motivation and then you know kind of talking with tracos uh, earlier just uh you know with toronto winning the, the yeah. nba title you see just the Excitement and passion and just craziness, you know, in the streets and the parade of, uh, you know, them winning a title. It, it, you know, gives you motivation as well to, to accomplish that ultimate goal just because, uh, I mean, Toronto a, it's a sports city and you know, obviously hockey's uh, at the top of that list. Yeah, you can basically like Photoshop in your mind, Leafs jerseys on that ground. Yeah, right? You it blue, it's, right. So, yeah. It, it serves as a, you know, a lot of motivation for us as players to, to get to that next level and you know as individuals and as a team
0: Mm -hmm. did you i mean can you be a fan and watch the final after that or is it just because boston's in a little
3: bit tough i mean i think you like watch but i don't like i don't like watch much after um (laughs) you're out yeah Uh, you're you're like every hockey fan then (laughs) yeah so like it's you know watch a couple games here and there and then like one of my best friends and from home (coughs) he plays in the hl and and he always throws it on, and like I'm just like I really don't want to watch this, but it's like I'm not going to say like turn it off. So we end up, end up watching a couple of games, and then I you know, watch the finals, and yeah. then that's about it. And we also talked about
0: it all star I don't think at that point you had signed yet, right? <coughs> no, right. And we talked about you signing what that meant for Mitch, and then obviously this has become a weird summer. My mentions are flooded every day with uh, you and Mitch stuff. How's that been? Has it been awkward for you at all? Or, or still kind of business is business? What you did, what you did, what you did doesn't affect that?
3: Yeah, I mean, no, not really. We talked, uh, we talked a couple times this season, not even like about hockey or contracts. I think, I, mean, I don't even remember what it was about. I think he was like, <laughs> and he was here for Matt Martin's bachelor party. And he was like texting me like before asking me if I was going. And I think I actually had my other buddy's bachelor party and then, um, just whatever. So I don't think, that stuff like really affects like our relationship or our whole dynamic and i think it's just business is business and um you know he's doing uh you know their their team is doing what they feel is best for him and um and i mean he is the absolute right to do that and i guess the last question now that you mentioned it because
0: i'm curious because i've been here for them what does an nhl player bachelor party in las vegas look like um, <laughs> do you, are there, are there rooms that I could never see in my entire life that you guys are getting into?
3: <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's about all you can say. It's really fun. <laughs> it's like, yeah. That's all I got
0: for ah, Well, we are, we are enacting the what happens in Vegas stays in the yeah, Vegas amendment. Try to, try and with to that, that, thank you for your time, Austin Matthews. Yeah. Our thanks to uh, the good people at EA Sports for putting that together with Austin Matthews and our thanks to Austin for his uh, time and candor. In that conversation, let's get back to it. Florida Panthers, they don't get the double. They didn't get Panarin. They got Bobrovsky. And boy, how did they pay Bobrovsky, Emily? Seven years, $10 million a season for Sergei Bobrovsky.
1: With a no-movement clause in the first five years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, this is a lot for the age that he's at. Look. I know he struggled at times last year. He also was vintage Sergey Brubovsky last year, the two-time Vezida winner. This team has seen firsthand how not having steady goaltending can cost them a playoff spot. They need to shore it up. It was an expensive price. They need to do it. I like the other moves that they made, though. I gushed about Nolachari. I thought he was going to be the underrated signing of the year. Uh, getting him for three years with a total cap, uh total for $5 million, I think, is great. He's a high-energy motor player. Joel Quenneville's going to love him. Brett Connolly, good signing. Uh he'll he'll be good in there. Probably third line winger role, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he bumps up to the second. This is a team, by the way. We've talked so much about the big targets that they need to make uh with Artemi Panarin and Sergei Bobrovsky, but they need a depth forwards and they need to round that out. They've got some good high end forwards, but they need to round it out there. Anton Strawman still making 5.5 <laughs> 5 million, which Somehow. is crazy to me, but look, yeah. he's a good NHL defenseman. Mm-hmm. This team is better than they were last year and that's the important thing. I just don't know if they're As good as we expected them to be when they signed Joel Quenville and started having these big aspirations about signing the best free agents.
0: But again, $10 million a season for Bobrovsky, if they win within the next four years, is going to look great. It's just that when he's 36. Yeah, Yeah. but you know
1: what? Dale Tellen is 99% 99% not going to be the GM by uh, the end of that contract. I can <laughs> you love, you put that love, guarantee in there.
0: You, you love this whole, like, uh, 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 scorched-earth GM thing where they're making these deals knowing they aren't going to have to pay the piper when they come up for... Uh,
1: it's so funny to me. And then I also love the other end of it where, like, you see the Vancouver Canucks uh, draft, Vasily, the, the Russian kid, and it's like, well, even if Jim Benning's not the GM, this will be his legacy. The yeah. great drafting of when he finally comes over from Russia.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Um, the Minnesota Wild. All right.
1: Yeah. No, all fented. So. <laughs> that's all I have to say. Matt
0: Zuccarello was signed to a baffling contract. Five years, $6 million per season. It's not the contract necessarily that's baffling.
1: The cap, it's fine.
0: Yeah. The cap, it's fine. Is exactly where you'd expect it to be. Five years. Maybe somebody gives him five years to get Matt Zuccarello on their championship contending team, which is not the Minnesota Wild. No. They are old. And they are now nowhere near being amongst the top tier teams in the Western Conference. So getting Zuccarello is baffling, but not nearly as baffling as the quote that is now being circled around the hockey world from GM Paul Fenton of the Minnesota Wild, who said, "Quote about Matt Zuccarello, I told him when I was talking to him that he's like a lizard, the way a lizard takes his tongue and sticks it as far as it does." And retrieves what it was trying to do. <laughs> Anybody have the Paul Fenton decoder ring and want to take a gander at what exactly is being said here about Matt Sicurello? No. I'm going to pass. All right. I believe he's saying that Matt Zuccarello may be some sort of reptilian alien that's come to this earth. Would not shock me.
1: They also signed uh, Ryan Hartman, a guy mm-hmm. that, you know, has had some tough luck lately with <laughs> trades. Uh He's, you know, not a top six forward by any means, but a high energy guy. Now, I think he's going to help them out a lot. Now,
0: hold on. Let's talk about this. Do you buy the notion that he knew what was going on when he got bought out by the Predators? Do you think that he knew what was going on? Or, or do you think that he did not have a satellite phone and was lying about being connected to society, when that
2: was going you know down, I have
1: a lot of. Qu- he was in Chicago my first year coming to be, and I just—he's an American kid. I just don't know what he was doing in Canada without <laughs> Like that I mean, was my really good question.
2: fishing up there, though. I mean, this time of year, I, but you know, get remote and yeah. I mean, if you're a guy that's kind of on the bubble, why wouldn't you leave the country and be unconnected to anyone? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't blame him for that, but maybe you yeah.
1: should have taken Paul Fenton with him to be honest. Man, it's yeah. tough
2: being a Wild fan right now. It's a weird, weird not great. situation. Not great.
0: The Montreal Canadiens have talked about the offer sheet before. Also, they signed Keith Kincaid, one year, $1.75 million. Kincaid pissed me off twice uh, by kind of saying it was good to be in a hockey city finally.
1: No, 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 no. The question was totally stacked against him with James Duffy saying, you haven't played in the hockey market before. Yeah, okay. That's... He could have corrected him, sure. Yeah, he
0: could have. And uh, then also saying that uh, Montreal bagels, those uh, thin uh Wafers that fold under any condiment uh, are akin to the glorious bagels, meaty bagels of New York City, as far as quality goes. Uh, just an affront, an affront, really. Uh, Kincaid, get, get out of, get out of this country. We don't need you anymore with these these horrible opinions that you've spouted out on TSN uh, on trade deadline day. Um, the National Predators, Matt Duchene. There's two things we know about the trade, the, the free agent frenzy. It's that there's tampering. All over the place. And that Matt Duchesne was going to sign with the Nashville Predators. He
1: loves country music. <laughs> There's nowhere else you can listen to country music than Nashville.
0: This is true. Seven years. Eight million dollars against the cap. Right around where actually he should be. It's it's good to see that they didn't blow out the cap to get him. Um, but solves. Hopefully solves the biggest issue with this Predators team for years. Which is who's putting the puck in the net outside of the top line. And uh, if it's Matt Duchesne anchoring your second line, pretty good move. I don't quite know what they do with Kyle Turris. They turn him into a winger. They move him out. Nobody wants him.
2: Uh, but Matt Duchesne to the Predators, Chris. Oh, yeah, I mean, I think he's a really good stylistic fit for the way that that uh, the Peter Laviolette wants to play as well. I mean, I just think that up tempo style is is a, is perfect for him. Uh, I think it's also great that Matt could uh, get a record deal now. Uh, he's right there where he uh, where he could get a a nice contract maybe work with uh, some of the celebrities of of Nashville music cuz that apparently is is Wait, extremely important. We, we
4: forgot yeah, song. yeah, and Ed. he
2: has he has cowboy <laughs> boots and a cowboy hat and I mean he's got it all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but I, you know, I think this is a team that is a perpetually in go for it mode right now. We we're trying to be contenders. I think they they they're so close. Um, you know, they're going to ha- they had to make some sacrifices obviously on their blue line, you know, PK Subban moving out. They have a very high hopes for Dante Fabro, who's probably one of you know their top prospect outside of Ailey Tolvanen, um, and, and a guy that they think could maybe even hop into their top four in, in, for spells next season. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that blue line adjusts to the change uh, without P.K. Subban. But obviously up front, they're a better team now, uh, and Duchesne, I just think, is a very good stylistic fit for this team. Indeed. Um, and likes country music.
0: Big I, time. Yeah.
1: Oh, and Amateur sleuth figured out he bought property.
0: Oh, in, Ma- in Nashville?
1: Yeah, like a while ago, months ago.
0: Oh. And he
1: said it was for Airbnb purposes. Mm,
0: yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. He could probably do pretty well. Um, the Devils make a really interesting signing. Uh, Wayne Simmons, one year, $5 million against the cap. If this works and he becomes the net front presence on their power play that they need after Brian Boyle was no longer there last season, could be a nice little move. I guess my problem with the signing is that he also has to play five on five, which he hasn't shown he can do in the last two years.
1: No, I'll tell you why I love this. And I am a Wayne Simmons apologist and I'm happy to say it, but we saw in the NBA, the whole take a guy for one year, let him bet on himself. And it's not exactly the same situation as Kawhi Leonard, but Wayne Simmons is coming off of an off year. He was clearly injured last year. He was not pleased with his performance. He was getting some, you know, he wanted term and he was getting some interest for term from other teams. in Minnesota Wilds were reportedly very interested. But he's betting on himself saying, look, I'll play here one year and I know I'm better than this. And I'm going to test in the 2020 market and I'm going to do much better. Plus, I get to play for a really exciting team. Reunite with PK, who they played a little bit at the end in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Got to play with Jack Hughes. Got to play with Hughes. Taylor Hall. Protect
2: Paul. Jack Hughes. Protect Jack uh, Hughes. That's true,
0: yeah. A real Lucic type. <laughs> um, it, it, It's an interesting signing and I don't, I don't as a Devils fan, don't hate it. Uh, and it's good. It's just good to see the Wayne train back in the Metro. Where Absolutely. It's going to be a, a slobber knocker every night. Um, the, the Islanders, this came down as we're doing the podcast, Semyon Varlamov, a four-year deal with the Isles to replace Robin Lehner. Um, you got to believe that this, is, th- this signing was announced after Lehner to Chicago came out. These two things are obviously like- linked. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Lehner's like Forget it, guys. I'm not going to wait around for you to figure out your deal with this Varlamov, Bobrovsky, Panarin mess that they were trying to sort out for the last 48 hours. Um, so Varley now goes four years to the Islanders. I think he's fine. He's a good goalie. Um, you know, a little bit up and down, but in a Barry trot system, you know, come on now. Uh, and then Anders Lee re-signs uh, seven years, seven million dollars per season, uh, helping the Islanders avoid... The utter
2: embarrassment of seeing their captain leave in consecutive summers. Yeah, and I, I think also with the numbers that were thrown around about Anders Lee and, and what he could potentially fetch on the open market, they did all right. <laughs> they did all right with the Who was with the term. Those numbers out Yeah, there. That's a good point. Yeah, exactly. Always uh, excuse always?
0: me, uh, yeah. This is Schmanders Me, and I have a hot <laughs> tip about Anders Lee.
2: Yeah, but you're exactly right. I mean, what a gut punch that would have been. Not, not just that, but you lose out to, on Panarin to the Rangers. Yeah. And, I mean, like, on that. yeah, you go from that and then you're like, and you would lose Anders Lee. They had no choice but to make the signing. You know, I, I loved the video that Anders posted saying mm-hmm. that he's, uh, not, um, he'd used the,
0: the, the video from Wolf of Wall Street. Yep. But I, apparently Clay Thompson had used the same video earlier. So it's either a homage to Clay Thompson or Anders Lee. Is stealing material from Clay Thompson of the Golden State Warriors. I mean, Steal why for the best. Yeah, exactly. yeah, absolutely. But you brought up uh, Panera and Emily. Let's get right to it.
1: The New York Stanley Cup champion,
0: Rangers. <laughs> oh, reigning Cup champions it in 1994. Yeah, well, geez, guess who's right, yeah.
1: uh, reclaiming her fandom from childhood? <laughs> it's time. It's time. Look, Jeff Gordon is the toast of the NHL right now. He has set the new standard for how to rebuild on the fly. One to understand when I need a cup bait. When my aging contracts and my roster is just not doing well, we gotta get rid of some faces that aren't doing well. You gotta get all the draft picks. Mm-hmm. You gotta get second place in the lottery and let the devils make the hard decision to get the score. Mm-hmm. And then understand when you can flip it. And that's exactly what they did. The rebuild went better than expected. It went quicker than expected. And now they're very much in position to win. The Artemi Panarin is now the Artemi Panarin is now the highest paid winger in the NHL. Even higher paid. Pick- then, then I'm like choking up. Because so candid- <laughs> <laughs> Even higher paid than Patrick Kane with the Chicago Blackhawks, he deserves every point of it. They deserve this contract. This is so them to sign the sexiest free agent. Mm-hmm. They did it anyway, and they deserve it this time. And and, and they go, did it, go ahead, Caco. yeah, Adam Fox, yeah, Jacob Trouba. Uh-huh. It's time, right?
0: I was going to say that they also made another huge free agent signing, which was John Davidson. Which is, I, I don't think that you can underestimate having JD at the top of the pyramid. He was there with Panarin in Columbus. Uh, you know, maybe a sense of stability knowing that he's in New York. Like it, it's, it is a bit, I heard from a source last night about the Rangers that they honestly did not know whether they were going to get him. Um because the Islanders set up their ante. Columbus came in late with their ridiculous, you know, saving face offer that was never going to get him back to Columbus. He just wanted to leave Columbus, but Florida was very much in the mix as well. But uh he took less money to sign with the Rangers, and uh you know, this is kind of what happens sometimes. you know, for Chris, you and I love to uh, mock the uh oh, he walked the halls of Madison Square Garden. <laughs> he saw the picture of Billy Joel during his run of shows and but it might actually be the thing where he was blown away by the chance to be a Ranger versus making more money as an islander
2: well, and and John Davidson was right there to twist the knife today when he said that he wanted to be in New York. But that he specifically wanted to be a New York Ranger, so that is where uh John Davidson. Light. He's he's he just got back and he's already taken shots at the aisles, and that wasn't very nice. But also, great. I mean, gotta love the heel turn.
0: Well, I mean, hey. it, it it is ju- it, uh, it, uh, Jim Dolan getting his revenge on Brooklyn.
2: Uh, exactly after the Nets stole. How the, dare they? Kevin Durant
0: from him,
1: which is hilarious because Jim Dolan cares a lot more about the Nets.
0: Oh God, uh, exponentially. Doesn't yeah, care
1: about this. But you know what, JD, I love that jab that he took. And do you know what other jab I loved? But Alexander Barkov got up there at the NHL Awards and gave a little bit of a, a dig uh, and showed some personality. And before he did that, I had a chance to catch up with him at the NHL Awards. And we talked about a whole bunch of things from Yamir Yager to where the Panthers are uh, to what he likes to do in his free time because he's just a simple Finnish kid. So, moy moy, here you go. I'd love to ask you a first question. Are you a FaceTime guy?
4: No. Not. No? I don't even like to call. Really? I just text if I feel like it. Really? Yeah. Do you
1: find a lot of guys in the NHL or FaceTime guys, though?
4: No. I mean, Patrick Lyon FaceTimes me all the time, but I barely answer.
1: You probably get so pissed. Who? Lyon. <laughs>
4: probably, yeah. He's like, thanks for answering.
1: Yeah, why does he keep trying you if you never pick up?
4: I don't know.
1: How would you describe your relationship with them?
4: I think we're really good friends, and, I mean, we're from the same town and same organization, so everything we do is kind of, like, same and uh, interested in the same thing, so we're kind of like really, really close close friends, and we play in the same league, so it means, means a lot for us, too.
1: What do you make of you know Finnish hockey success over the last year or two? It really feels like the program is growing immensely.
4: Yeah, I think it's, it all started in like 2010 or 2011 when they won their first world championships since '95, and I mean, everything just started to be more. Professional and like all the junior, junior systems and everything, like all the coaching, started being like a lot more professional. And of course, the players too, like they started develop them earlier. And now you can see like a lot of young Finnish players in the league.
1: Uh, have you had any communication yet with your new coach, Joel Quenville?
4: Yeah, we all met him after the he got named the coach, and I mean I've seen him a lot of times at the practice ring uh when I was there working out and he's always there and always doing something. I don't I don't know what but yeah I mean it's uh when you see him there and you you know he's like like all in and he wants to win too and he wants to bring that uh, like his experience to our locker room too.
1: Do you know any players in the Blackhawks? Did you call any of them to ask them about him them?
4: We have a, we have Troy Brower. Of course, yeah. Oh so, yeah, he has a lot of good things about him. And, I mean, I know one Finnish guy who played for him too, and I, I can ask him too. But yeah, he, I, I already know that he's he's great, great for us. He's gonna be great for us.
1: Do you know about Q-isms, where sometimes he says something but means something else? So if a player's average, it means he's terrible. Do you know about that yet?
4: No. You gotta ask Troy. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> find
1: yeah what do you think a modern NHL coach has to have what do you wanted a coach to coach you
4: I mean I always had really good coaches and I've been lucky with that like everybody's really good teacher and really good guys so I mean I, I don't know I don't know what to change like everybody's a little bit different but everybody has everything like something good in them and you you really like to be around them and when they say something you listen to them and of course it's always always something like important and something that he wants to teach you so of course like some some coaches they like to yell and sometimes it helps and some coaches they're more like quiet and they teach you like quietly one-on-one and that helps too so i don't know it's the right thing but I've always been around really good coaches
1: who's been the one coach that's most impactful in your career maybe in juniors or on the world stage or...
4: there's a lot like I've learned a lot from every coach I've, I've had and uh, I mean I know we had a lot of success with Galan and we won the division and made the playoffs for the first time in my in my life and in my career and uh, it was a good time and Bubner, he he taught a lot and uh, even, even Tom Rowe and Horacek uh, and Dinin, all the coaches I had here in, in the Panthers, they were good and every coach in Finland too and in the national team. So I I don't really have one, but every, everybody I learned a lot from them.
1: Seems like a lot of people in the NHL are talking about the Panthers this summer. You guys get Coach Q. You've got a lot of cap space. It seems like you might spend it. Mm-hmm. What is that like? Do, do you kind of feel that excitement or momentum?
4: Yeah, like every time I open some newspaper or something, there's rumors about our team and, uh, and maybe
1: two Russian players. Yeah,
4: maybe some some, <laughs> some two Russian players. Nobody knows who. <laughs> and yeah, of course, when you when you get good players, it's always exciting to to play with them and. I mean even right now we have a really good team, really good players so we can we can take that next step with the with this team and but yeah we'll see what happens.
1: Over the last couple of years when people talked about you, they would always say you're the most underrated player in the league. When you hear that, do you like that? Is it a compliment or kind of an insult?
4: No, of course it's it's a compliment, like if you get uh, recognized by that for, from other players that are here and you hear that from them it's always a really nice thing and that's what i try to do every every day i try to be better player, player and uh every practice every game i try to be a better player, player so it's really nice to hear from them
1: where do you spend your off season is it florida finland do you go to russia at all or no it's
4: in finland okay i stay in florida for one month or two months after the season and then i go back
1: what is the biggest thing you're working on uh, with your body this summer or your game
4: I always work on everything. I try to be, like, faster, stronger, and I, I maybe, like, better stamina, too, and endurance and everything. I just try to work on everything. There's not, like, one thing.
1: Is there any uh, different workouts you've ever tried? Have you ever tried Pilates or yoga?
4: No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yoga, I always try something something new, and I always feel like there's something, something that helps me, and... I've seen a lot of, a lot of guys, different guys doing different things in the league. They post on internet, and I follow them and maybe try that. And if it works for me, I, I keep doing that. And I, I like to try new stuff, too.
1: Give me one example of one thing you've tried that was different lately. It could be the last it couple was, years.
4: I mean, when I saw Yager, Jeremy Yager doing his, his things and shooting medicine ball in the wall and... Uh, Running the ropes on his back and everything. Like,
1: you went and bought a bunch of medicine balls and ropes.
4: <laughs> and then I started shooting, and it helped me. And I keep doing that. And of course, if there's something something else I see in the internet. I tried that too.
1: What's one? What's your favorite story about Yamir Yager and your time with him?
4: Uh, I don't know. It is like he's just overall he's a really really good guy and one of a kind. Of course, like. It's, it has to be some. You have to do something different if you want to play till I don't know how old seventy. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta be a little bit different than everybody else, and of course his work ethic. I uh, learned a lot from him, and just like I just remember after one game, we had game at one one pm. We flew from Boston to New York, and and we had team dinner at night. And, he just came like we were all waiting at like six or seven and he came from from gym after the game like he was at the gym at the (laughs) hotel and he was like freaking chara throwing me around at the during the game i had to go in the gym
1: that's hilarious
4: yeah like we don't really think about at that point i started thinking like maybe i should work out after the game yeah yeah
1: Did you ever start working out after games?
4: Yeah, I, right now I'm just staying there maybe two hours after the game doing something. You don't have to do like a lot of stuff, but some stuff. Mm
1: -hmm. My last thing, I'm working on a big project on Russian hockey players. How do you think the perception of Russian hockey players in the NHL has changed over time? It feels like there used to be a lot of stigmas or stereotypes about them. Do you think that's fair?
4: Yeah, I mean, Russian, Russians, they're like, there's a different type of Russian players and of course, like there's a like Ovechkin and Malkin and those type of guys, they're like they're stars and they know it, so but it's a good thing. And then there's like that, who can butcher out there, like all cool about the team and they don't really talk about themselves. And so, I mean, i I'm, all the Russians I've been around, I, I really like them. And I mean, Kulikov, first Russian that. Uh, when I came in the in the league, and the Panthers Kulikov was there. And he helped me a lot, and without his help, I, I wouldn't probably be here. And uh, right now, dead and I, he's he's he came from KHL, and we we play a lot together in the same line. So he's a really good guy, and I have nothing bad to say about him.
1: What did Kulikov help you with most?
4: Like everything, he helped me to find a place to live and to be like around the team. And he took me to dinners to like every every everything what he did, I would do the same thing with him. And like right now, I'm older and I'm just thinking like without his help, I would not probably be here. And yeah, he helped me a lot, and I'll, I'll always remember that. Cool, well,
1: I appreciate it. Okay, thank thank you. you so
4: much. Our thanks
0: to Stasha Barkov. And the uh, Florida Panthers for that uh, chat with uh, with our favorite two-way future Selkie winning center. The Ottawa Senators and Pierre Dorian made a trade. They traded uh, Cody Ceci in a third-round pick for Connor Brown, Nikita Zaitsev, and Nikita Zaitsev's contract, which runs all the way through 2024 and is a bad deal. <laughs> One might say a toxic contract, a contract the Leafs were desperately trying to get rid of, and Pierre Dorian paid them a third-round pick for the honor of taking it on.
2: Yeah, and even a prospect got thrown in there. They gave they gave assets to the Toronto Marlies, too. I yeah. mean, like, they're helping everybody Chris out. Chris Peters,
0: who booked this?
2: <laughs> well, Conrad, uh, you know, I got to say... The best part of Pierre Dorian's press conference today was when he was asked what Nikita Zaitsev brings to the Ottawa Senators, and his pause might as well have been three hours long. <laughs> because this, I, I, I mean, it's a hard deal to explain. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, I, I will say the Senators do have probably the best prospect system in the entire NHL. They're a team. Uh, so they're, they're a team. They have, they have guys. There are some bodies there. They also brought in Ron Hainsey. So they are now Maple yep. Leafs. Uh, they're, they're more and Maple DJ Leafy. Smith DJ charged. Smith. Let's let's pause on that. Let's do it. Zaitsev, Hainsy from a defense
0: that Senators owner Eugene Melnick himself said was not good enough to win a championship. So let's take two pieces of it for our own team. What's going on?
2: I I I am I I remain baffled. I mean, I think that there's there's so much work that needs to be done there, mm-hmm. and, and and you know, I mean, beyond a full teardown. There's, there are things that they're just not going to be able to deal with, like a Bobby Ryan contract and, and things of that nature. But, I mean, hey, at least maybe they'll get a lottery pick. You know, I mean, they're still going to be in this rebuild mode and, and they don't have to pay a lot of money. I, mm-hmm. I just don't, I don't know. I, I personally don't see the vision and the path forward for this team. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's been one for a while and, uh, certainly did not become any clearer today. And, uh, yeah,
0: the, uh, f- uh, Philadelphia Flyers made a lot of little small moves. Your JF Berube, where we had a nice uh, game we played in the ESPN War Room trying to figure out what team he had played for beforehand. It was the Blue Jackets, I believe, was it? Was in Correct. The Blue Insane. Last year. Nate Prosser, Curtis Gabriel, yada, yada, yada. They got their business done. Every uh, uh,
1: low end uh, defenseman <laughs> on the market. <laughs>
0: yeah. They got their business done earlier uh, in the off season. And, uh, and, 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 yeah, it's,
2: uh, the, the Flyers. Well, on the Flyers, do we, how do we feel about the Kevin Hayes I, It's a well, contract in retrospect? I feel it is,
0: uh, uh, $142,857 more than, uh, Anders Lee is making on an annual basis. And that looks bad. Yeah. Because Anders Lee is a better player than Kevin Hayes is.
2: Agreed. That's what I thought
0: too. Um, well, good. I'm glad we're on the same yeah, page. Yeah. It's nice to agree. Yeah, there you go. Who
1: we're not on the same page with? Who? Jim Rutherford.
0: <laughs> uh Jimmy Rutherford handed out a six-year contract worth 3.5 million per season to Brandon Tanev. To which he got on the, uh, the 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 microphone and said, "I am happy to have Chris Tanev on the team for the next six years." And then someone had to be like, "Jimmy, it's Brandon Tanev." What? <laughs> um, 3.5 million against the cap, a six-year term for a guy who, um many have called an offensive black hole a checking forward at best a penalty killer for sure but a 6 year contract for that kind of depth player is insanity and this is the second summer in a row that he's handed out an insane contract with term
2: yeah i i mean i i think I like Brandon Tanev the way that he plays and, and what he brings, but then you look at that term, you look at that contract, you just look at it on cap friendly or whatever website you use to, to look at contracts and it, it jumps out at you like a big sore thumb. And, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of teams have made these mistakes before with these depth forwards. Unfortunately, guys like Tanev are, are very replaceable. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's just the way it is. You have guys, maybe not the Penguins because they haven't had many draft picks. So they don't have much of a prospect system, but those guys are, are, you can find, Kind of anywhere. I mean, and and Tanev does it better than most in terms of his ability to play with speed and and a, and a checking role and and play with energy, but not at that. I mean, it's 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 beyond. Uh, it's beyond explanation, really, for a yeah. team that's trying to get back into Stanley Cup contention.
0: Emily, you like uh, Galchenyuk for the uh, the Penguins uh, on that Kessel deal?
1: I do. Uh, you know, look, the Phil Kessel situation is what it is. It clearly was some kind of fracture between the player and the team. And you have to move him. And if you're going to move him, it's good to get a young setter and good to get a young, exciting player like Alex Galchenyuk, who, in my opinion, I know he's been moved around twice now. But hasn't realized his full potential, and potentially could now that he's on a Sidney Crosby-led team. Uh, look, Chris mentioned it. This is still a team that doesn't have a great prospect system. They've uh, mortgaged a lot to get to where they are. Uh, they're still up against the cap as usual, so they mm-hmm. couldn't really do much. But I-, I think it's fine. And look, we're not Hall of Famers. Jim Rutherford is a Hall of Famer,
0: two-time Stanley Cup champion with two different teams. Well, three-time, I guess technically, since they won back to back. Uh, the San Jose Sharks lose Pavelski. That's a Financial situation as much as it's not wanting to give him that third year on the contract. Uh, Timo Meyer resigns as an RFA, four years, uh, $24 million. So they get some, uh, personal business done. I, I, you know, it's still one of these situations where the Eric Carlson contract has a, a domino effect and it's going to be interesting to see how Doug Wilson continues to maneuver that. Uh, the Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues, say goodbye to, uh, Pat Maroon, resign Probably. Sammy Blay, although I want to call him Sammy Blaze for obvious reasons. And they sign Aussie Nathan Walker to a two-year, $1.4 million contract.
1: Not bad, Greg.
0: I tried to maneuver it as best I could. My Australian is very weak. I do a much better New Zealand. How do you
2: say San Antonio rampage in Australia? (laughs) (laughs) Going down under, mate.
1: (laughs) The deal I was most surprised by with this is, look, I I thought they were going to take a similar approach to the Washington Capitals of last year and try to keep the band back together. Carl Gunnarsson, two years, a little under $2 per
0: we t- we've, we've talked about that before. We all thought that was going to be he goes somewhere else, makes a lot of money for the rings in the room thing. Mm-hmm. But It didn't happen. He's not, he's not there. Uh, the Sand Bay Lightning, no rings in that room. Uh, Curtis McElhaney, <laughs> two year deal, 2.6 uh, total to back up, uh, Andre Vasilevsky. I like good that move him. a lot. Yeah, good, good for, for him. him. It's an upgrade over Louis Domingue and Luke Shen, uh, for 700K, a one year deal to try to fill out that blue line. The Lightning right now, their biggest concern is Braden Point.
1: One hundred percent, and honestly, their best move happened at draft weekend, unloading J.T. Miller's contract for really good draft picks.
0: Yeah, and yep. and point it should be said from the sound of things, he doesn't want to leave. So no. that's that's they've got go- that going for them. They don't they don't have a situation where Mark Bergevin's up there going, ha, 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 Sebastian Aho, oh, he wants to leave Carolina. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> like clearly, Braden Point does not want to leave Tampa. So they're in a good they're in good shape there with the RFA thing. Uh, so that's that's business that has to get done there. All right, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you know, it's good that we did it in alphabetical order because a lot happened for the Leafs by the time we got to them. A blockbuster trade: uh, the Leafs get t- defenseman Tyson Berry, center Alex Kerfoot, a sixth round pick in 2020 from the Colorado Avalanche in exchange for Nazem Kadri, defenseman Kali Rosen, uh, and Toronto's third round selection in 2020. Colorado retains 50% of Barry's average annual value of $5.5 million. So the Leafs get cap relief in this deal. What do you think, Emily?
1: My first instinct is that Kadri is a better player than Kerfoot, even though Kerfoot's great. But Tyson Barry is much better than Cal Rosen, and the third-round pick is better <laughs> than the sixth-round pick. And, you know, I talked about the Philadelphia uh, Flyers. I was talking about Wayne Simmons and the lessons from Kawhi Leonard. No, I'm throwing that analogy away. This is where it comes in. This is where they're borrowing insight from across the hall with what Kai Wai Leonard did. <laughs> Heisenberry is going to be due for a very big contract next summer. I don't know if the Leafs can afford it, but they need a win now, and he's going to be really good for them next year. So it doesn't matter if he walks after next year. They're going to use his services because they need to upgrade that blue line.
2: Yeah, at a bargain rate. And when he does leave, they are probably banking on at least one of Timothy Lillygren. Or Rasmus Sandine being ready to jump in there. So there, that softens the blow of potentially losing him for nothing. You know, I think it's a great piece of business by Kyle Dubas, the, the, the cap space plus a top four defenseman, a right shot defenseman. Those guys obviously, uh, always in demand. So yeah, I mean, I think that this is a, a big win for the Leafs. It, it fits all of their needs. Uh, and then also for Colorado, they, they lost Carl Soderbergh. So now they bring in Nazem Kadri to, to be a, a depth center for them. So that helps them as well. However, maybe not as much as I think this deal helps the Leafs. I, I mean, depth center, second line center. Second, I mean, right, uh, second line center. Yeah, He's, he's,
0: he's going to get his shot to be the second line center for the Colorado Avalanche, most likely playing with Andre Barakowski, most likely playing with Tyson Jost. Um, so that's a real big uh, uh, swing by, by Joe Sakic uh, to uh, get Kadri, who's proven himself to be a 30 goal scorer. He's also proven himself to be an absolute wing nut in the playoffs and getting suspended in series where he shouldn't get suspended, which, let's not pretend, isn't a driving factor in this decision by the Leafs to move off of who is a very good two-way center. You can't cost your team a playoff series in consecutive seasons. And, and you can make the argument that Kadri did that because of impulse control problems. And that's a real problem. If you're, if you're Kyle Dubas looking down the barrel of potentially another Leafs in series in the first round, given we know the Tampa Bay Lightning probably aren't going anywhere as a regular season powerhouse. So you have that, uh, issue as well. I agree with you on Barry. He's, a, he's not the best defensive player, but a high end puck moving defenseman and a player that if you're, if you're casting him as the replacement for Jake Gardner, uh, you've done quite well for yourself, really well. And yeah. uh, and you can't you can't out, out of one side of your mouth be like, oh no, the window for the Leafs might have closed, and then they do something where the window is thrown open for this season. Uh, if they bring Marner back, I I like it. I mean, you, you you when you're dealing with this level of cap commitment in Toronto, you are taking it on a year by year basis anyway. And so for this year coming up. And the, the ability to bring Marner back to this team with Tyson Berry on the blue line, shoot your shot. We yeah. talked about it before. So good job out of Kyle Dubas and the Leafs. And uh, good luck to uh, to Joe Sackick with uh, Nazem Kadri in the playoffs. Hopefully he's learned his lesson. <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks uh, make uh, the Tyler Myers signing. You wrote about that. What did you think of the Tyler Myers, co- Myers contract?
1: Look, they... Over, they- Jim Benning had a big goal this offseason. I need to upgrade my defense, especially on the right side. Tyler Myers, once Eric Carlson came off the market, there's two good defensemen available, Jake Gardner and Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers is the right side defenseman. They got their guy. I think they bid against themselves. I don't know anyone who really was looking at that term or that cap hit. It's not a huge overpay. He's a good defenseman. I think I like him a little bit more than you do. I know that his uh, fancy stats aren't very inspiring and leave a lot to be desired. They're not fancy. But he's showed... They're not fancy. They're just stats. Uh, They're just numbers. They're just facts. Uh, But look, he showed that he can play between 22 and 25 minutes a night. I know that he's played behind guys like Bufflin and Trubo, which shouldered, you know, probably bigger responsibilities. And, you know, maybe he's going to be asked to do more. I think he's up for the challenge. He's pretty mobile for his size. I think it's fine. I really like the Jordy Ben signing, $2 million per for two years. They also got Oscar Fentonberg in a more depth move. Um But really, you know, they got what they needed. Um And they're kind of screwed because one week before free agency happens, they find out they're going to be on the hook for $3 million for recapture penalties for mm-hmm. Roberto Luongo. They also buy out Ryan Spooner. That's another million dollars uh, for a team that, you know, eventually is going to have to sign Elias Petterson, has to sign Brock Besser this summer. There's not much flexibility they could have used.
0: Best thing I can say is it could have been worse with the Myers contract. It could. It could have been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vegas Golden Knights uh, bring back Brandon Peary, Thomas Nosek. They uh, lose. Uh,
1: um, uh, yeah, Redwood
0: and then they trade Colin Miller. I mean, they're they're capped out. This is kind of what you expect. Uh, the Washington Capitals they uh, bid you to uh, Brent Connolly and replace him with Richard Panic, uh, who <laughs> Craig Button on TSN. For some reason, hated with every fiber of his being uh, during the broadcast on July 1st. They also bring in Brandon Lipsick and Garnett Hathaway, con- continuing their trend towards really annoying players. right? Goodis already on the roster. Uh, mm-hmm. Tom Wilson uh, has not been lobotomized. Last time I checked, he is still Tom Wilson. Uh, mm-hmm. So the cap's getting a little bit more truculent there.
1: I will say this about Panic. He mm-hmm. was also in Chicago my first year there, so I watched a lot of him was really, really uninspiring. I had no idea what he was doing playing in their top <laughs> six. Uh, I think it was just misuse. Really good penalty killing, and that mm-hmm. was an area that the Capitals began the season dreadful at. They got Carl Hagelin to approve at. I think he will help them there. I think he just needs to be in the right situation. Um, I know a lot of players like him. He's a likable guy, and hopefully uh, he makes sense there and is cheaper than Brett Connolly. Got a regular Craig Button over here, Chris. <laughs>
0: I guess so Yeah, geez. um finally, the winnipeg,
1: like finally yeah. the winnipeg
0: jets bid adieu to uh Tyler myers uh they've got some questions to answer on the blue line for sure but more than that they sit by and wait to see if someone will attempt to poach uh either kyle connor or patrick line from them both restricted free agents um connor you know you've been hearing little dribs and drabs of people reaching out to him potentially that might be coming from his camp to try to expedite a contract uh but something worth watching they have a ton of cap space they're obviously going to match whatever comes down the pike for either of those guys
2: yeah it's it's they're they're well set up to to handle the guys that they have you know especially if uh brandon Tanev's go on for you know three three and a half million uh but yeah I, i really think that that the jets have been pretty well set for a while now and and they they know exactly where they're going this is a team that i've I felt, you know, Kevin Shabbal has has gotten criticized when he when he wouldn't make trades and things of that nature, but th- they've always had a vision. They've stuck to that vision. They've they've made the moves that they've had to make. Uh And, and you know, I don't think the Truba deal was a great one, uh, but it, at, at least they are have the space to take the guys that that are going to get them to the next level mm-hmm. uh with with guys like Lina and Connor and and even Andrew Kopp, who I think will be you know a lower money guy that that really helps their team in a lot of different ways. And that is it.
0: Bob McKenzie has changed his profile picture to a margarita. Bobby Margarita is back, which means that it's time for all of us to leave. Everybody. Everybody leaves for the summer when McKenzie to the cottage. becomes Bobby Margarita. It's time for us all to leave. Um, that's the last ESPN on Ice for this season. Great, Great job, Gapl- guys. Mr. Kaplan.
1: Great
0: show. Uh, a pleasure, as always, to have done this show with you for the for the length of the year.
1: Yours as well. I feel really grateful that I can be a part of this. Uh, I'm grateful for our relationship as co-workers and grateful that we've been able to include Chris Peters, who is just honestly a wealth of information. Anytime I talk to him, this guy's awesome.
2: Too smart. Yeah. yeah well, so great, nice. grateful for you guys having
0: me. It's always a pleasure. Our thanks to Ryan Matlock, who puts the show together when we have random dribs and drabs of audio that need to be pieced together. He does a very good job. show wouldn't happen without him. Um, our thanks to the, uh, Louise Carnetta for putting the show in the place that it's in. She's great. And thanks to everybody for listening to the show. Because without you, we probably wouldn't do it.
1: If so you <laughs> like it, unsubscribe, resubscribe, review us five times. And we'll see you in September. Yeah, bye. And,
0: and also, yeah, before I say bye, like thanks also for supporting all of our work on ESPN.com this year. Numbers were really good. People were very happy. Uh, continued growth uh all that stuff, and uh tell a friend that uh, you 're digging what we do because uh, it always helps so thanks for supporting us thanks for watching all of our stuff and listening to all our stuff i 'm getting i 'm not getting choked up I just said like a frog yeah, weird. I know, I'm gonna miss you guys this um yeah that 's all so thanks and we 'll talk to you uh next season Bye. bye bye <laughs>
1: This has been ESPN on Ice with Wyszynski and Kaplan. Subscribe to the show in the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts.